All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today. Uh, I'm really excited to have John Spielbiner on the phone. He's in Raleigh, North Carolina. He owns local icon hospitality. And, uh, man, John is, uh, John and his team have just seen some, some great success and a lot of growth really over five years. He, he opened his first place five years ago, 2012, and uh, now has six concepts across uh, three buildings in Raleigh. And uh, all their places are very popular. Uh, if you check out their website, uh, you can see all the great reviews and just there's a lot of buzz for what John and his team are doing. So, And he's a busy dude. So thank you, John. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Hey, Will, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for calling. I'm glad that we finally got a chance to link up. We're a big fan of you guys. So looking forward to talking a bit. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, so tell me, I always like to just get people to tell me just um, give me give me your your backstory, how you got started in the in the restaurant business in the first place. Well, I always try to, you know, I, I feed people a pretty bad joke, but they don't always pick up on it. I've got an engineering degree from NC State, so I always tell them that they teach hospitality management in the engineering school at State, and then people just kind of look at me a little sideways, which is a little awkward sometimes. But really, what happened was, you know, back in 1999. Uh, I was in Colorado and I kind of started dipping my feet into the the restaurant world and then later on into the bar scene. So I, I um, was working in Denver. I was working in Boulder, uh, working about seven days a week. I would work in restaurants for four and then I'd go ski instruct for three. So it was pretty exciting, except um, I moved back to Raleigh to finish school and I, I continued in the hospitality business, you know, to pay my way through school, uh, did a lot of bartending. I uh, was in fine dining, corporate places, got a little taste of everything, uh, did a lot of nightclub stuff, did some DJ management, all that kind of, kind of thing. And then, you know, I always had the business bug and, uh, you know, I felt like when I graduated college, I would get my quote unquote real job and um, found myself back in love with the hospitality business, always circling back around to it. My whole family's involved. And um, so eventually... You know, maybe a little later than I'd hoped, um, I, I had the opportunity to open my first uh, location uh, by myself, which was, and you know, we signed the lease in August 2011 and opened the architect January 6, 2012, and uh, just never really looked back. It's been quite a quite a hustle uh, getting things going and keeping the momentum going, and we've diversified, you know, in a, in a pretty serious way. We've got multiple small restaurants, and we've got a you know, a craft cocktail bar, the green light that just popped up on Thrillist's top 21 hidden bars in the U.S. or in the world, actually. It was first in the U.S. And now we've just opened Little City Brewing. So as this thing has started, continued to kind of blossom and push forward, I, I just kind of look back at everything that I did in my 20s and, and how I landed here. And sometimes it's just kind of a whirlwind. And then, you know, as the dust starts to settle, you you look and you say, hey, this is what I love. And um, it's always been a passion for me. So, you know, we're back to back to keeping these things um, pushing forward. I mean, you must. Uh, what's a typical day look like for you, man? That's a lot to do in a short amount of time. Are you uh, are you are you are you burning the candle at both ends? Uh, I know you must have a great team behind you as well. Well, I tell you, it's uh, the entrepreneurial struggle. I'm a pretty transparent guy, and I. Uh, maybe overly at times, <clears throat> I don't keep much behind the curtain. So what, what I usually, what I'm starting to see is, you know, uh, last, let's see, last year and a half, we pretty much uh, developed uh, one, two, three, four concepts along with um, 
the hospitality group that, that has a catering arm associated with it as well. So that was kind of just, that was really candles at both ends. I was out most nights until three or four in the morning. I'd send in emails late at night and pick them up when I'd w- wake up, you know, five or six hours later and kind of hit the ground running. And that was just, you know, always during the construction and development phase, it's, it's always something. So that's, that's that's when it gets a little hairy you know you're always designing a new logo new menus picking out light fixtures um deciding color schemes and all that stuff and dealing with contractors and permits and all that stuff so that that part is just really crazy um still stay pretty busy now that everything's open uh, but i feel a lot more comfortable as we're you know we're in our zone of running our businesses that doesn't mean that things are easier that the hours change it just feels like a different pace in a lot of ways how um a great go ahead no we we do have a great team you know and it, it's all about the team i mean i've recruited guys from chicago new york got a guy that just came in from nashville my brewer was in germany when i met him originally uh you know and and raleigh is, is growing so fast that the old team that i used to run around with everybody's kind of continued to go on and open their own new things so we've had to kind of reach for talent at times well <clears throat> Um, talk about, uh, I came back to starting, um, when you first decided to open a place, I mean, did you envision doing this many concepts in a short amount of time or was it, what were your thoughts when you first got started and do you have business partners and, or investors? Take me back to, you know, what got you going? So, you know, I think that when I jumped into things, there was aspirations to to grow. I'm a I'm a point and shoot kind of guy, and I've always been driven to to want to see what's out there. I mean, you know, one life to live kind of mentality that we've only got so much time to 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 go after it. Sometimes I listen to a lot of podcasts, and you know, some things that I reflect back to are, you know, we're just kind of spinning around here in the universe, and we're just one little speck of dust on, on a planet in a huge microcosm. So it's it's just it's when when i when i jumped into it and once we we had some success with the architect i knew that it was you know it was kind of our destiny to continue to grow what i what i thought that i would do at the time was kind of stick with the model that we had you know a uh, very bar heavy nightlife heavy which i you know love i love the energy of that and as things kind of just started to shake out you know and and raleigh is growing so so fast right now and there's so much going on it's kind of you look for an opportunity for for a building, and then for me at least, if there it's it's kind of hard to get your your finger on the real estate because it's it's going so fast. There's so many players in the in the area now that it, that if you scout out a a lease or an opportunity in a building, sometimes you can develop the concepts around that that property, so to speak. And uh, you know, looking for the exact right property to do something is some, sometimes kind of hard. So. I did always have aspirations and a vision that we would grow. I didn't know that I would have six concepts under the belt this quickly. You know, I, I we do really only have three buildings, but still managing six brands and doing that is uh, it's proven to be a little bit of a challenge as we've kind of come up for air. But you know, it's exciting in the way that um, you know there's a, there's it, it kind of keeps us moving. And like I said before, we're diversified in a lot of ways. We're selling beer into we're selling beer from our brewery into all of our restaurants and bars. And then we're also, you know, selling catering into all of our bars and the brewery where we're, that we're using for event space. So everything's kind of working together right now. And uh, 
you know, I, I don't have any partners, so to speak, active partners. Uh, it's, it's me. I've got a group of investors for each, each LLC and each location that we do, a small group of people that I like to do business with. I found that that's been, um, kind of a, a win-win. It, it, I, I put it, put together a kind of pool of not so much friends, but people I know that have got some cash on hand that they'd like to invest in something that, you know, has promising opportunity. And so it's, it's, it's good to work with people and, and have investors of, of folks that you've got a good relationship with. I, I can tell you that's uh, helped with a lot of the headaches, not having to deal with, you know, people that <clears throat> I might not necessarily want to do business with. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Talk, talk a little bit more about that. Cause I think that's an important thing that, um, you know, there's, there's people that have, there's people that have money to invest, but then there's the right type of investor. What are you, what are you looking for? Give me a little bit more on that. Well, I think, you know, again, being transparent, I, I think that there's a lot of snakes in the world sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of self-interest and, you know, especially in our business where I feel like there's a lot of ways to cover that up. Um, I look typically for, you know, I, I, I look for someone that's got some, some income on hand or, or some money set aside and say, that's not totally everything, you know, their life savings or, you know, every dime that they've managed to muster up or they're going to leverage their house or they're going to be so um, leveraged by that investment that it's going to be uncomfortable for them. I'm pretty, you know, when I take that approach, you know, I tell them and say, Hey, you know, any investment is a, is a risk. And, you know, we've got a great opportunity to make it a calculated risk, but, you know, I don't want this to be something that's going to, to break you. And so if, you know, that's kind of, kind of part of it. Somebody that's, you know, got a pretty solid job and it's got some income coming in and they've had an opportunity to, to put some money aside and they're looking to invest because <clears throat> I, I, I feel like it's a comfortable relationship for both sides. If, if that's the case, you know, um, as opposed to, I've seen some guys and I've been involved with some guys before that have just taken money to keep the thing going forward. Give me money, give me money, give me, give me money. And then you're, you're, there's some folks that have put themselves in, put themselves in a bind just by jumping into bed with folks like that because they have taken everything they've had thrown together there. So we try to break up the investment structure, you know, for what's palatable to, to that person. And and I try to sit down and have a face-to-face conversation with them. And I say, you know, if, if, <clears throat> Anywhere from twenty-five thousand to a hundred thousand dollars is comfortable. Do what's comfortable, and here's the numbers, and let's, you know, let's go from there. So we end up putting four or five, sometimes six people together in the in the investment group, and um, hopefully that's a that's a comf- comfortable move for them because it takes a little time sometimes to get things off the ground. Do you normally do debt or equity or both, or how how do you structure that typically? Generally I've speaking, I've done both. I've done both. Okay. I've done like a hi- hybrid scenario and it kind of depends on the investor. You know, I, um, I've, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. There's the SBA loan route and, um, you know, and then there's some equity, an equity partner that can come in for the, <clears throat> for the down payment on that. There's, uh, you know, we, we did a hybrid scenario with the first one where we had some, some high interest debt and then we had some, the equity guys also did some high interest debt, so they they had a little bit of both, and uh, we had that thing paid off really quickly. You know, that was paid off in ten months, and that was, you know, it was a great model. Uh, you know, just a, a busy bar getting off the ground really quickly with a with a low up up fit, and um, you know, that's kind of exciting to go that route. Um, okay, good deal, good deal. Uh, do you own how many? Three building? Do you own the buildings? Did y'all buy the buildings or? We don't, we, uh, you know, aspirations now, I, I, 
I would prefer not to sign a lease if at all possible going forward. Um, we we had an opportunity on one of those three buildings that didn't quite shake out exactly how we needed it to, and it ended up um, getting sold to another group of investors before we had a chance to move on it. But you know, the aspiration is um, to be your own guy. You know, it's it's we kind of grind forward and open a business, and there were entrepreneurs, and we um, you know we put a lot of risk into those properties you know a lot of times uh, you're signing a triple net lease it's in an older building you're responsible for a lot of the upkeep and and uh hvac and plumbing and electrical and all that stuff so so in theory we're we're we own the building for the 10 years that we're in that lease you know there there are some other lease opportunities where <clears throat> written into the lease the, the landlord upkeeps a lot of that but i think the goal and i, I think depending on what the business model looks like you know uh, 200 restaurants were, you know, nationwide might be tough to own every space, but, you know, for us, as we continue to kind of be in a market where we're going to call home and we're going to be rooted and grounded, I think it makes a lot of sense for us to continue to look towards the real estate opportunities moving forward. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, cool. What, any other thoughts about uh, leases, like things you've learned that you would uh, do differently the next time or any advice you would give to folks that came to you and said, Hey man, we're, you know, we're looking at our first, place and we're, we're working on a lease negotiation what are some of the um key points you would drive home to somebody that you know you think people might ever look that burn them down the road yeah i think that's a great question right because <clears throat> sometimes getting caught in the excitement of uh you know an opportunity either be it your first or your second um you, you know it's really easy to to get excited about that and read it with the attorney and the attorney, you know, maybe throws back some suggestions and you don't want to lose the deal. You know, for me, I know that, you know, all through my 20s, um, you know, I'd move on a property and then somebody with, you know, a little bit more money or, or experience comes along and sucks it up. And, you know, it's kind of like, oh, man, that wasn't meant to be. I'll move on to the next one kind of thing. And that that'd take a lot of wind out of my sails. So then when I had the opportunity to jump on the first one, I didn't want to miss the opportunity. And I think I probably would have, you know, <clears throat> put myself into a situation that looking back on it, you know, it's important to read through that lease and look through that deal as much as you would through, you know, through a business plan. I, I would, would be my recommendation because, you know, things can go okay for two or three or four years. And then if there is a snag, there's not a protection in the lease for, you know, for the tenant, it can be, it can get pretty hairy sometimes. And, you know, folks, have, we've seen plenty of folks shut down um, solely based on their lease and how it was written and the time that was taken to kind of go through it. And I think it's really important just to take, take a minute, have a good attorney, you know, talk through things. If you do have a business partner or a trusted uh, liaison to really kind of talk through those things, because, you know, some leases can be very simple, uh, seven or eight pages long and, and, can leave a lot of things vague. So if there is a disagreement, there there isn't anything set aside to kind of rectify that disagreement. And then some are really, really, really long and 30, 31, 32 pages of, you know, if you've got a big corporate real estate guy, um, typically their leases are a little more involved and, you know, going through that and making sure that all your bases are covered are really important. I've, I've certainly seen, you know, a couple of things where, you know, just in my experience that, you know, we signed our first lease and, you know, in, in, in any kind of discussion with the landlord that gets a little bit tense, um, you know, if things aren't laid out properly, it can, it can get, you know, it can take a lot away from running your business. So it's important to, to work through those things and be very thorough about what you do there and, and try to protect yourself whenever you can.
Yeah, that's good advice. Really good advice. Um, how do you um, how do you come up with your concepts? Where, where do you get your ideas from? Is it from travel? Is it from stuff you've always thought you wanted to do, or a mix of both? Or I think it's a little mix of both, right? So, you know, you you take what you like and and what you see works over the years, and things continue. I mean, stuff is always evolving. You know, I mean, I think mm. the core concepts are, you know, great product, good people, and you know, and, and just a nice appeal. And especially in the bar and restaurant business, people are always so mindful of your you know, the way your place looks, you know, what's your decor, what's your, do things make sense? And there's a lot of, you know, there's just so many different facets to go into open bars and restaurants. I think, you know, you become a designer and you become a, you know, an operator and you're kind of managing a construction schedule at the same time. And then you're raising money and you're doing all these things and um, design's a big part of that, you know? And so, you know, the concept itself, I I usually, you know, you start to kind of think about what, what should go in there into a space and then, lots of travel um, because you just kind of pick I, I, for me, I, at least I go and I pick up an idea and, you know, I want to go sit in six or seven or eight or nine different places that are similar to maybe the concept that I'm, I'm thinking about and little nuances from each, you know, kind of start sparking the imagination. And then <clears throat> there's a wealth of opportunity for photos and, and a little inspiration on the internet now, you know, with, with, uh, you know, when it comes down to decor and design, I mean, Pinterest is such a good one now. Like everybody kind of fires through all that stuff. And there's some, you know, some kind of trends and and stuff that's now and cool and what folks like, but really, you know, I like to go to some bigger markets. Um, You know, Denver's a a good one to go to. I like Chicago. I like everyone, you know, kind of flies into New York and I guess the experience over life um, over time and and traveling and picking little things up along the way and remembering that uh, kind of plays into the concepts as well. And then, you know, the concept itself, um, you know, what's our, what's our product? What's what, you know, what's our food, what's our beverage, what's, what are we delivering and where are we delivering it? You know, if we're, if Raleigh's lacking for a sandwich shop downtown um, and, you know, legitimate, you know, homemade delicious sandwich shop, that's kind of where Linus Peppers came from, you know, because, there just wasn't anything like that. Most everything was pretty, pretty cookie cutter, you know, um, and there's some great places downtown for quick serve um, sandwiches and stuff like that, but a lot of cold sandwiches and we kind of went a different direction and did some house cured meats and hot sandwiches and, and stuff like that. So, you know, you kind of take a nod from what's around you as well. And then the inspiration for how everything kind of comes about comes, I think from a lot of travel, you know, Good stuff, man. What about um, what about other restaurant owners? I know you mentioned before we uh, started the interview that your your buddies with Van Nalenta over at Amanda, which is a great restaurant, and Van's a great guy, and he's been on this podcast. And um, you all have a lot of we, you know, you have a lot of really good restaurant owners doing some cool things in in Raleigh. Um, do you do you spend a lot of time with your peers? I know you're real busy, but do you guys share ideas a lot or talk about that those kinds of relationships? Sure. Well, what's interesting is, is the answer is yes, overall, um, we do. And then a lot of the guys, you know, we mentioned um, earlier when we were speaking um, <clears throat> before we got on, uh, on, on the podcast here, uh, you know, we all kind of came up together. Um, you know, guys, we were all working in bars and restaurants in Raleigh together. I got some trophy. I mean, they were working down the street at, at a couple group of other restaurants when I was working at a bar back in the early 2000s. Um, you know, guys from Tobacco Road, like they're they're friends of mine. We've all kind of come from the same place. Um, 
you know, Van, uh, Matt Kelly's a good buddy in Durham. Uh, and he's got a nice little group of restaurants over there. Very, very awesome chef. And, you know, it's certainly a collaborative um, environment and we all share the same struggles. So when we kind of get together and, and kind of throw out some of these ideas of what we're struggling with, you know, I mean, <clears throat> when you, I guess when you're in the moment as an entrepreneur, as even with a business partner, um, sometimes it kind of feels like uh, God's picking on you in a way. And then, kind of sit down with everybody and you're like, wow, you're dealing with the same personnel problems. You're dealing with the same contractor problems. You're dealing with the same, you know, just uh, timeline problems, all these things. So just from that, that end of things, it's, it's nice to sit down and kind of share the struggle and the solutions with uh, groups of folks downtown. There's certainly a great group of people doing some phenomenal things in Raleigh. And a lot of that's happened, you know, in the last five, six, seven years, you know, Ashley Christensen's doing, has been doing big things, uh, putting Raleigh on the map. Scott Crawford's a good buddy. We we spend some time talking and and eating and and just kind of <clears throat> going over going over our history of places we worked before and how that applies to what we do now. Um, you know, Echelon experiences. G Patel's a good buddy of mine. We've been friends forever. Uh, other guys that have you know kind of made their way into other restaurant groups also that aren't haven't quite bridged the. And jumped into the ownership category yet, but but guys that I grew up with, you know, came up in the business with here in Raleigh, um, you know, that are now managers or director of operations. We also share some, um, you know, kind of share some of our war stories and solutions thereof. So, you know, I think that uh, I think that as of right now, Raleigh's got a really good collaborative environment. You know, there's a few that kind of stick to themselves, but for the most part, um, you know, we're all kind of passing each other on the street and we're all wishing we're, we're hoping for the success in our community because what we found is, you know, if, if the city's doing well, then the more the merrier, bring it on. And, mm-hmm. and it used to be this concern about saturation or there are too many of this and too many of that. But man, I tell you, if we're, if we're doing things, <clears throat> if we're striving for, for a good product and, and, a, and, and a good um, community and what we're delivering to the community, I think the people are going to continue to come. And I, you know, it's, it's, always the chicken or the egg uh, kind of question when it comes to restaurants and bars. I don't think people would move downtown if there weren't restaurants and bars and, you know, and then we need those people downtown to support us. So um, typically we kind of go in first and then the people follow. So I think it is important that we collaborate and kind of work together because, you know, the, the other option is, is that really big money comes in from outside and kind of squashes us all, you know? And so it's nice to be able to, to, you know, to continue to work together on those things. Yeah, man, it's really, it's good that you all have that. It's, it's a wonderful example for other communities and other restaurant owners that, you know, may sometimes um, view each other as more, more as competition than as peers, but you kind of sound like you have a rising tide lifts all boats mentality, which is, um, which is, which is, which is cool. And it's clearly working um, for you and your, your peers in Raleigh. Um, do you, uh, I'm curious your thoughts about, you know, what are some of the things that are going on that right now that, that are affecting restaurants or maybe more specifically independent restaurants that maybe give you pause, um, things like rising labor costs or um, lack of talent or what, what are some of the things, that, the challenges that you see? And I know is it the way you look at things is, hey, that's a challenge and I'm going to figure out a way to overcome it, but I know there's got to be challenges that you see sort of, you know, on the horizon that you probably have to feel like you may have to address. What what would some of those be? 
Well, I tell you, that's a great question because sometimes you look and you go, I'm really kind of tired of getting my butt kicked this week. I'd like, it. I'd like things to be a little bit easier for a, for a week or two, you know, and, and certainly those challenges are there. And I mean, you pretty much hit all of them, you know. I mean, I looked the other day and I, I just looked at the team. I was like, man, I'm really tired of getting my butt kicked. I'd really like to see some explosive growth and success really quickly. Let's go ahead and put that on our agenda and our to-do list, you know. But you hit the ones, the high points on the head, I think. I mean, it's, it's you know, talent pool, you know, when you're growing. Uh, again, we're kind of share, we're all sharing the same talent pool. And when you're, you know, I was, I was there once, you know, I was working for other guys and, and I saw great opportunities and sometimes wanted to go to the next new spot. So kind of taking the people that are already here in Raleigh and, you know, I had a team that I always worked with, you know, I always worked with uh, when I'd go open a place for someone else before I owned my own places. And, you know, this, this go around as we've grown again, the, the talent pool has not been there. There's not enough people coming into Raleigh as a professional hospitality environment. Um, you know, a lot of the cities that's, you know, that's kind of a path that people <clears throat> go to those cities to take, you know, I mean, uh, I've got a manager that came from Chicago and he was working for a, pretty big group up there. They've got 11 uh, stores and and they're doing, you know, $50 million a year. And Chicago is a big city and it's a Midwestern city with a great work ethic. And he's like, man, we just had people walking in all the time that we could hire from. He said, it's really tough here in, in Raleigh to find people lately. And I, I hear the same struggle from my peers um, that, you know, that we're all kind of dealing with finding and keeping good talent. And that's a, that's one. And then you know, labor costs and food costs are, you know, the big ones that we just try to keep an eye on. And I think rising food costs is, is certainly, you know, that's tough to deal with because <clears throat> food is just expensive these days. And, um, you know, it's it, it, it translates back, obviously, to what we, you know, what we have to charge for what we sell. And um, luckily, we're in, an, we're in an environment down in Raleigh where people will put, pay for quality products. But it would certainly be nice not to have to really, really, really always, you know, take a gasp when we look at those those food orders because that's been a big one. I think food costs, and I hear that again from my peers too, that food's just expensive these days. And uh, so I think the, the food costs, I mean, in running a restaurant, you know, running a, re- a, a food-based program, you know, the, the labor and the, and the food is very expensive. But on top of that, just the fact that the food is continuing to rise and, and do we have to, you know, continue to raise our prices to keep up with that because the options are, you know, do what you have to do or close the doors. And um, obviously we're in this to stay in business. And again, the, the talent pool is certainly um, it's tough. To, it's tough to find. I do a lot. Of, I, I did a post on for job postings. I did one in Nashville, one in Chicago and one in New York when I was looking for folks. And, uh, and of course, did one here in Raleigh, too, but had a lot of people calling in from other other places that we're looking to uh, to move to this area, and get, and uh, that's just what we've had to do is kind of either create people or go find them. You know, find ones that are coming in from other areas. I bet other people are doing that, but I have not heard any, anybody's told me about doing. It. I think that's really that's really smart, and, and so that's been successful. You were able to attract some folks from other cities. Double-edged sword, right? Because. Um, Raleigh's a special place. Uh, North Carolina's a special place. It's a smaller market, and I've, I've grown up in a smaller market. I, I I tell people, I was like, you know, back in 2006, 2007, I was bartending in downtown Raleigh. I could get cut from a shift at 12.30 on a Thursday, 12.30 a.m., and between 12.30 a.m. and 2 a.m., I could hit every single bar in downtown Raleigh and 
get a beer and a shot and a high five and a hug, you know? And yeah. that was because there were only six or seven or eight places in Raleigh at the time. It could really kind of make it, make a round pretty quickly. And <clears throat> so, you know, from that has grown, you know, the other day we were looking at some, some opportunity to sell some of our beer to, you know, some of the folks we love and adore in downtown. And we came up with 50 locations that we could potentially sell beer and beer to within mm. no more than, a, you know, three quarters of a mile to a mile radius of, of where we were. And um, so what I, I guess what that says is, you know, it's great that we're bring I can bring some people in from, from other markets, but they come from bigger markets typically and coming to Raleigh where it's still a small market and it's an, it's a who knows who, and you got to know your reps and you got to know the folks in town that, uh, you know, go out and are movers and shakers and, and can help support your business. And if you don't have that network coming in, it's kind of, a, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to make that transition from a big market when folks are coming in and saying, man, I've got a million people right out my, you know, out my doorstep. And then, you know, in, in our market, there's a million people all over Wake County. The entire county is a million, which is bigger than it was, but it's still not living it like living in a densely populated area. So we've certainly had to bridge that, that struggle and I've had to, you know, being a guy who's been in Raleigh 17 years, strictly in downtown doing, um, doing hospitality stuff here for a long time. Um, it's hard to, to see that I have people in my camp that aren't as familiar with the city as I am. And, uh, and that's been, you know, that's certainly been the other end of that. I've, I've brought some great talent in that, that has great fresh ideas and can handle the busy nights or the, the long hours or the long weeks that we're, you know, we've grown so accustomed to in this business, but on the other hand, they're also not rooted in Raleigh and it takes a little time for them to get caught up. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, you know, it's a thing about talents. Interesting to me, like curious your thoughts on this job, but I haven't vetted it. I haven't really looked into it fully, but just generally speaking, it seems that there are a lot of people that are graduating from college these days. Maybe they're in college, maybe they're graduating from college, uh, and they may have some or a lot of student loan debt and few job opportunities and maybe their field of choice. Um, I feel like the restaurant business, like it seems like it used to be something that people did for a short period of time between, you know, maybe like before they got a quote real job or whatever. But like I look at a business like yours, you know, I've got three kids. They're, you know, my oldest is in seventh grade. They've got a ways to go. But I just feel like it would be really wise to steer somebody, unless they, you know, have a field they know they're going to go into. But so many of us don't, right, getting out of school. And right. your business is like you've got this growing business. So if I come work with John, I've got – I start maybe even it's just, a, you know, whatever, as a bartender. But um, – uh, I start as a busboy, but I've got this. If, if I've got the wherewithal, you know, and the head on my shoulders to hustle, to work hard, to you know, exceed your expectations, to exceed my manager's expectations, to uh, focus on you know my colleagues and my guests and not myself, and really get after it, then you have a business of meritocracy. I mean, almost all restaurants, it's, it's meritocracy. So I'm I'm going to position myself to, you know, get a promotion or whatever. And but I look down the road and I go, here's a guy who's got six concepts after five years. You're no doubt going to keep growing. 
and you're doing a lot of neat stuff. And so the, the business will grow, and I would think that there will be lots of growth opportunities within that business. Uh, and then, you know, one day I've, I've either, you know, found a, a position that's very high in your organization or I've learned so much that I go, man, I could go do this myself, which you probably, you know, like you said, double-edged sword, but you probably applaud and cheer for those people because, you know, if they go be successful, then that's a good reflection on you, and it's same rising tide lifts all boats. Sorry for the long diatribe, but I, I feel like it's such a great business if you're willing to go, whereas there's so many careers where it's like you have to, you know, there's there's political parts of it, and corporate America can be challenging in so many ways, and downsizing, you know, can affect people that have worked place for a long time where businesses like yours that are growing are such a really wonderful opportunity for somebody that has a little drive and hustle. I'm sure you would agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's great. You know, I keep talking about that all day long because we could, we could really have that conversation. I'll try not to, you know, I'll try to get us out before 10 PM tonight with this response (laughs) to that. But um, you know, <clears throat> I think it's really, I, I've, I've just seen a couple of things. So, you know, I opened my first bar, right. And it's me, you know, I mean, I'm managing the project. I'm the manager. I've got a guy with me who's, you know, a bar manager, which kind of helps get the day-to-day stuff, kind of keep it rolling orders and inventory and all that stuff. And, you know, and then that guy who I'm close with moves on to another opportunity with a bigger group, right. Just, just down the street they've got, you know, multi-million dollar concepts and there's six of them and, and he moves on. And <clears throat> so, and then now, you know, great, opp- great example, because now I've, I've, I've created this little mini thing that we have going on here. I've got six concepts, three buildings. We're trying to grow into something. And, and, you know, I've certainly been spread a lot thinner than me just being the guy at the first one. I mean, living, breathing, and eating it. Like, now I'm dealing with stupid stuff like insurance audits and, you know, just all this crap that seems to eat up my day sometimes. And, you know, not the fun stuff. And um, so as I start, and now this this said person who was my bar manager and helped me open the first one, you know, um, you know, as he, he maybe circles around and goes, wow, you've, you've built this empire. And then and <clears throat> it looks, you know, and, and then we've we've... I've done job postings for, you know, folks, you know, at one point last year, I was, I, I thought that I needed, you know, I was looking for this um, ideal candidate that was like this director of operations for my building down on uh, Salisbury street. And, um, and which is where the, you know, this, I've got three in that building and, and so I've got three concepts and, um, and a catering arm of that. So in that building just by itself, there's a small restaurant group. So I can have a catering salesperson, I could have a manager, a general manager, that's really more like a director of operations there that could eventually grow into the, a director of operations for the whole group. You know, in that building, too, I put a chef in there, and I want that chef to solve problems really quickly so they can grow into, you know, a chef for the group and have a guy under them at every location that we do. And and really kind of what you're alluding to is, yeah, I mean, it takes a driven person, and it's it would be great to have that person. I'm I'm getting a lot of luck with my – 23 and 24 and 25 and 26 year olds, you know, I mean, they are just hungry and new ideas. And, you know, people talk a lot about the millennial work ethic, but I'm, I'm finding that like the millennial that I'm struggling a little bit with are the early thirties where they don't really know if this is maybe what they really want to be doing. I mean, it's a job and they've done it and they, 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 they're pretty good at it, but I'm getting some folks coming in that are, that are hungry and young and, and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about the the industry, and they're really exciting because they're 
spongy and they're willing and they're excited about, you know, creating opportunities for themselves. And so, you know, as we can continue to grow, it's, it's interesting to see that. And when I did recruit, when I did recruit, uh, you know, I was looking for a manager or someone, I, I was talking to guys that were coming out of big corporate, you know, they were overseeing eight stores for a corporate group. And they're like, man, I'd really like to come work for you where I could have an impact on a, on a smaller group and something that's growing. And so these guys are in, you know, $115,000 a year jobs with benefits and 401k. And they were looking for something, you know, they just kind of hit their wall and hit their ceiling with that. So it's interesting to see how do you attract talent by continuing to create opportunities. And that's certainly something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out and, and I don't know what the answer to that is, but I can certainly say that as we have, you know, had more, <clears throat> more things under the belt, it, it does look a lot more, um, exciting for folks to kind of look at that and say, maybe this is a career path I want to be in, you know? Yeah, man, I hear you. Well, I I think it it really is. I mean, it really just strikes me as something that um, may not be the obvious thing to a lot of people, but man, gosh, you guys have so much opportunity in your business to, uh, you know, just work hard, benefit from that, have opportunities to grow within a business and it seems like independent restaurants, particularly in markets like Raleigh, I mean, there's a lot of other ones. That we, I mean, that's your market. But there's just a lot of them where I feel like people are tired of this cookie-cutter, big-chain approach a lot of times, and they're looking for something that's a little bit more local, a little bit more authentic. And I mean customers at this point, but I just feel like there's a good opportunity for the business segment as a whole to continue to prosper. I mean, you can read news saying independent restaurants, global, whatever, but ones that are doing a good job um, and they're, they're opening all the time, um, people are, I mean, I, I know I am, I know my family is and my friends, their families are, and, you know, we all have kids and we're we're looking for somebody that's going to give us good service and good food and, you know, we like putting money back into our local economy. It's a, it's a kind of a win-win when that happens, but it seems like there's just a lot of opportunities for independent restaurant business or segment as a whole to continue to thrive. I know there's a lot of challenges too, but well, I can tell you, you know, it's crazy. Interestingly enough, again, being transparent about the struggle and, and pushing forward is, you know, how do you how do you keep the soul of what makes you special when, you know, how excited was I when I opened my first place, my very own first place? How excited was I to try and take care of my employees as best I can to try and provide a pretty decently run and accountable work environment, you know, um, for them? And then as you start to grow, how do you put systems in place and, you know, have run a good business without losing that touch, you know, and that's, you know, that's certainly, I think I, you know, you look at a big corporate group and I've worked for them, you know, I worked for PF Chang's uh, back in the day. I worked for Sullivan's PF Chang's, I think is a really awesome company, you know, that, that group as a whole, you know, and, and the way they run things and, and district managers there that were my, my managers before I always call them for advice and, and those sort of things. But, you know, a lot of folks are aversive to that kind of corporate, um, corporate structure because of you know the rules and the and there's not a lot of freedom and there's a certain way of doing things and you don't have an impact on the menu or the recipes or the drinks or the drinks and they're always going to be there and they come you know from a corporate office but man i tell you that you know those 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 groups have been very successful those big groups have and you know as we're we're now looking at trying to manage a, a little portfolio of so many different i call them you know it's like having six kids you know how do you keep up with them all sometimes and uh you know, if, if folks are gravitated towards, you know, sort of that mix because there are groups 
um, in and around us that have six or seven in the um, in the portfolio there, and, and they're they're highly corporately organized, and a lot of folks are adverse to that, you know. And you know, we love the corporate structure, but we still want to kind of foster that team family environment, you know. I mean, we're still small enough that. You know, I'm going to be the guy that's helping you clean up that back storage room still if we need to. You know, I'm not I'm not too good for that. But how do you continue to grow and still have an impact on your business without losing that charm? And that's I think that's uh, that's something certainly to, that we've you know, we've kind of had to take a step back and look at, you know, because we like a certain kind of employee. And if we want that certain kind of employee to be part of our family, we, we really kind of have to foster that kind of environment. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah, it's a it's a challenge. It really is. I mean, I can relate a little bit just just with uh, you know, we started with one restaurant as a customer, and we're pushing sixty five hundred now. And and uh, wow. you, you know, when you first wow. start, everything's just such you know, you just want to like go visit each customer or whatever. Uh, but wow. but you know, it's uh, but but if you can keep that though, it's really neat because um, like we we say we always we try try to always treat schedule file like it's like what would we do if we were just getting started like how would we handle this situation or whatever and there's some things you have to kind of let go of a little bit but in order to you know for scale and, and so forth but then again like if you always have that sort of hungry little guy mentality i think it, it uh keeps you grounded and humble and focused on the things that you know that really matter and uh which is taking great care of your customers and making the process of doing business with you easy and you know providing a really great experience but I like the way you think about it, man. I do. Um, well, uh, listen, I, uh, I I think one more, I guess one more question I would ask. I'd love to talk to you for another hour, but I've taken a lot of your time. And, and uh, But I, I do always like to uh, close with this question, which is um, if somebody comes to you and they've got that hunger and they say, look, man, I love what you're doing. Maybe it's an employee. Maybe it's somebody just, you know, from the community that you don't even know that, you know, is – wants to start their own business one day, wants to start their own restaurant, that is. What, um, I mean, I know you could sit and spend days with somebody giving them advice and coaching them, but generally speaking, what are some of the things that you've seen where maybe people have tried it and it hasn't worked out or whatever? Like, What's, what's some generally good advice you would give to somebody? Um, like, hey, I know you want to do this. It's a great business. I love it for these reasons. However, these are things you got to really think about before you dive in because it's, um, you know, there are some, some big challenges and it is a lifestyle business and you really have to be ready for it. What do you tell people, John? Well, I think the first thing is never, never, never give up. You know, that saying, because mm. things get tough. And, um, you know, my girlfriend was really instrumental. She comes from a, her father was a, <clears throat> an eighth grade dropout entrepreneur who went to work for Rick Hendrick, right. At, you know, immediately when he dropped out of school and, you know, came, became very successful in NASCAR. And, and you know, and she was <clears throat> a little bit younger than I when I first started. And, and it was just like, you know, it was, I just remember this rings out. It's like, if it was easy, everybody would do it, you know? And that stuck with me this whole time, you know? I mean, it really was kind of an instrumental saying when I was sitting there, like, beating my head against the wall. So, first of all, that persistence is is crucial um, in, the, in any business and any entrepreneurial struggle and, and jumping in the deep end, you know, as you well know. I mean, there's the good times and the bad times. And um, certainly there's a persistent thing of just kind of, I think we're sadists for, for pain. <laughs> you know, we like, we, we jump into this thing and we figure out how to make it work. But um, you know, I, I think in this business, what I would, you know, I, I would tell people is a, you know, I see folks be very successful that come out of 
um, experience in the business, you know, like there's, you know, there's, there's nothing that you can't figure out, but at the same time, like if you've got that experience, you know, five, 10 years um, in a, you know, not just working in a restaurant or a bar, not just a bartender or a, or a, a waiter. And one time I worked in a restaurant in college or whatever, but, you know, really having spent some time in a managerial role or, or an impactful role, um, in a restaurant or bar or nightclub or, you know, hospitality based kind of thing, hotel or whatever it may be, because I, I think that experience is, is, you know, there's no price tag you can put on that, you know, it's priceless. And, and I think you can learn a lot of things in, you know, in a hospitality degree, but that hands-on, um, application of stuff and then treating a business as if it was your own when you're working in someone else's business will certainly translate into the way that you would run your own business. Again, like you said too, where do you find the days off? I just realized last week that I think I we, we pushed all our manager meetings back to a Monday because we were doing them all on Wednesday for, for years. And I, I don't really think I've had a, a, a scheduled day off in like two years. And I got to remember to kind of you know, kind of work that into my thing, into my schedule. And so, you know, there's a lot of demand that comes with this business. It doesn't shut off at five o'clock, you know, it, and depending on how late you're open, you might need to be on call a lot. Um, you know, something goes down, you know, air conditioner goes down or PO system goes down or, you know, there, there's certainly um, options for folks that can come fix that for your managers, but you need to be accountable to them too. And, um, you know, I, I think you got to have a passion for it. I, I think what <clears throat> what we were talking about earlier is folks that may want to come work in this industry. It is super glamorous on the outside, right? Like it's, you know, it, yeah. it's, so, it's a place where people go to for their expendable income and their enjoyment. You know, um, it's not eating and 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 going out for drinks is not a necessity in life. So, you know, it's it's glamorous on the outside and it should be. And then on the inside, I mean, it's it's a it's a hard it's a hard job there's a lot of hard work and long hours that go along with it and a lot of blood sweat and tears um just just by being you know part of the operations there and i think if that's something that folks are you know are into i, I think i talked to a friend once and we were talking he was talking about being an investor or a partner in a, in a in a restaurant with me and you know he's like well you know we do a lot of eating out you know we, we see a lot of places around the country because they travel for their corporate job and for, for <clears throat> excuse me um for me, that was um, that was one of those. It was like, well, that's great until you get into the nitty gritty of the thing. And uh, mm. you know, I'm there. I'm in and out of my places almost every day. Uh, I, I'm trying to kind of take a step back a little bit so I can focus a little bit more on the big picture and the marketing and all that stuff. But you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of long hours and a lot of hard work that goes in, especially the restaurant and bar business. And you know, it's it's typically a weekend business. You know, some folks get lucky and do like uh, you know like. I don't know. There's there's a couple. I think the Rise Biscuit guys they nailed it. You know they're open. I think they do business until 2 p.m. every day or something like that. And then they they shut it down and they're and they're you know they're franchising all over the country. But a lot of times you know it's late nights, it's weekends, it's you know you kind of get back and you work Friday Saturday. You hit the ground running on Monday because there's orders to be placed and um, you know deliveries to receive and all that stuff. And uh, so you gotta you gotta really kind of say, okay, am I willing to take a Tuesday and Wednesday off or, or just a Wednesday or, you know, what am I willing to do to, to be a part of the industry? And if I'm going to be an entrepreneur and do it on my own, am I willing to, to never give up when the times get tough? You know, and I think that would be my advice. Gotcha. Man. I love it. I love it. It's fantastic advice, dude. Listen, John, I appreciate it, man. I'm gonna let you get back to it. 
But thank you very much for the time. And uh, as you said, you know, man, the transparency and just sharing uh, everything, it's just awesome. And this is the kind of stuff that we hope will help a lot of other people learn and and uh, give them inspiration and and um, and just, you know, hopefully be able to do some of the things, same things that you've done very well. So I uh, really appreciate the time. I know everybody listening does as well. So thank you, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Will. I, I really, really appreciate it. I, I just admire, you know, I, I was blown away just now when you guys, when you said you guys have 5,500 restaurants at this point. That's amazing. Um, and it's just, you guys have a great team there, always so responsive. And that's, you know, that's kind of why, why I reached out in the first place. And uh, I hope you guys continue to do the good work that you do. And we'll, we're certainly loyal followers and we'll continue to keep a relationship with you guys. And you know, I'm, I'm happy to give out my email address, John at the local com. If anybody ever hears this or needs any advice, shoot me a, shoot me an email. This is the kind of stuff that, man, I tell you, it, it just talking about it kind of uh, reinvigorates uh, me to just kind of keep pushing forward because I, I kind of forget sometimes, you know, what it's all about when uh, kind of get caught up in the day to day. And, and this is, you know, <clears throat> working through those problems and, and having solutions and really, really, really just you know, presenting something special to the folks that walk in your door is what it's all about. So thanks again for the time. Man, absolutely, John. Thank you. Have a good one. We'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. All right. Take care. See you. Bye-bye.